much more than a country away from the little pub with its scarred bar and smoke-dark walls. Maggie's scorn for the shining characters squabbling in their wealthy room was quick and automatic as a knee-jerk. So was the swift tug of envy. If she ever had such wealth, she thought, though of course she didn't care one way or the other, she would certainly know what to do with it. Then she saw him, sitting in the corner by himself, not separate, not at all. He was as much a part of the room as the chair he sat on. He had an arm slung over the back of that chair, while the other hand held a cup she knew would hold strong tea, laced with Irish. An unpredictable man he might be, full of starts and stops and quick turns, but she knew him. Of all the men she had known, she had loved no one with the full thrust of her heart as she loved Tom Concanon. She said nothing, crossed to him, sat and rested her head on his shoulder. Love for him rose up in her, a fire that warmed down to the bone but never burned. His arm came from around the chair and wrapped her closer. His lips brushed across her temple. When the song was done, she took his hand in hers and kissed it. I knew you'd be here. How did you know I was thinking of you, Maggie, my love? Must be I was thinking of you. She sat back to smile at him. He was a small man but toughly built. Like a rut bull, he often said of himself, with one of his rolling laughs. There were lines around his eyes that deepened and fanned out when he grinned. They made him, in Maggie's eyes, all the more handsome. His hair had once been gloriously red and full. It had thinned a bit with time, and the grey streaked through the fire like smoke. He was, to Maggie, the most dashing man in the world. He was her father. Da, she said, I have news. Sure, I can see it all over your face. Winking, he pulled off her cap so that her hair fell wildly red to her shoulders. He'd always liked to look at it, to watch it flash and sizzle. He could still remember when he'd held her for the first time, her face screwed up with the rage of life, her tiny fists bunched and flailing, and her hair shining like a new coin. He hadn't been disappointed not to have a son, had been humbled to have been given the gift of a daughter. "'Bring me girl a drink, Tim. I'll have tea,' she called out. "'It's wicked cold.' Now that she was here, she wanted the pleasure of drawing the news out, savouring it. Is that why you're in here singing tunes and drinking, Murphy? Who's keeping your cows warm? Each other, he shot back. And if this weather keeps up, I'll have more calves come spring than I can handle, as cattle do what the rest of the world does on a long winter night. Oh, sit by the fire with a good book, do they? Maggie said, and had the room echoing with laughter. It was no secret, and only a slight embarrassment to Murphy that his love of reading was well known. Now, I've tried to interest them in the joys of literature, but those cows, they'd rather watch the television, he tapped his empty glass, and I'm here for the quiet. What with your furnace roaring like thunder day and night, why aren't you home playing with your glass? Da, when Murphy walked to the bar, Maggie took her father's hand again. I needed to tell you first. You know I took some pieces to McGuinness's shop in Ennis this morning. Did you know? He took out his pipe, tapped it. You should have told me you were going. I'd have kept you company on the way. I wanted to do it alone. My little hermit, he said, and flicked a finger down her nose. Da! He bought them. Her eyes as green as her father's sparkled. He bought four of them, and that's all I took in. Paid me for them then and there. You don't say, Maggie, you don't say... He leaped up, dragging her with him, and spun her around the room. Listen to this, ladies and gentlemen. My daughter, my own Margaret Mary, has sold her glass in Ennis. There was quick, spontaneous applause and a barrage of questions.
At McGuinness's, she said, firing answers back. Four pieces, and he'll look at more. Two vases, a bowl, and a... I suppose you could call the last a paperweight. She laughed when Tim set whiskies on the counter for her and her father. All right, then. She lifted her glass and toasted. To Tom Concannon, who believed in me. Oh, no, Maggie. Her father shook his head, and there were tears in his eyes. To you. All to you. He clicked glasses and sent the whiskey streaming down his throat. Fire up that squeeze box, Murphy. I want to dance with my daughter. Murphy obliged with a jig. With the sounds of shouts and clapping hands, Tom led his daughter around the floor. Deirdre came out from the kitchen, wiping her hands on her apron. Her face was flushed from cooking as she pulled her husband into the dance. From jig to reel and reel to hornpipe, Maggie whirled from partner to partner until her legs ached. As others came into the pub, drawn either by the music or the prospect of company, the news was spread. By nightfall.